0: Hello, this is Brett Martin, pastor of Baptist Church. Every once in a while, I like to throw a Wednesday night Bible study onto the podcast, just so people can kind of get an idea of what we do on Wednesday nights, and if anybody didn't make it, they they can listen to it later. So this is our Bible study from last night on John chapter 10, and the title of the chapter is The Good Shepherd. Please enjoy. 10 tonight. I'll give y'all a little week of another week of repeat reprieve when we're reading, and I'll do all the reading this week. Next week I'm clocking y'all back in. John chapter 10. And uh, the title of this chapter. Is the Good Shepherd We're talking about the Good Shepherd tonight? We're going to start with verses one and two. And what these verses are going to tell us is going to tell us that, that Jesus is the true, legitimate shepherd. The Bible says, Verily, verily I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief. And a robber, that he that entereth in by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, later on in the chapter, Jesus is going to say the words, I am the door. If any man tries to come come into heaven or come to me by, by any other way, if you try to get into heaven any other way, you're a thief and you're a robber. Because Jesus is the door. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me, I am the door. If you try to climb over the walls, if you try to get into heaven any other way, you're a thief and you're a robber because there's no other way to do it. If you try to enter into the kingdom of God through your good works, you're a thief and you're a robber and you'll be unsuccessful. If you try to... Climb into the kingdom of heaven through your religion, through the things that you do, through keeping traditions of man and going through the motions and and doing these things. It's all works. If you try to get into heaven any other way, you're a thief and you're a robber and you will fail. If you try to get into heaven through any other name, whether that be Allah or whether that be Muhammad or whether that be Buddha or, or whatever, You will be unsuccessful because I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Then he says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, in the Old Testament, a lot of times when they talked about a leader of the people, the leaders of the people in the Old Testament were referred to as shepherds. This was the picture that the Bible uses in the Old Testament to describe a leader of the people, a leader of God's people. Sometimes the shepherds were good. Sometimes the shepherds were bad. I'm going to give you an example of a bad shepherd. This is Isaiah 56, 11. He says, Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough, And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain, from his court. So this is an example in Isaiah of a bad shepherd. This is an example of a a shepherd that's not out to give, 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 but to take, take, take. What can I get out of the situation? That's a bad shepherd. And we'll talk more about that a little later. Let's read verses 3 through 6. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake unto them, but they understood not the things which he spake unto them. It says, and it says, to him the porter, to him through the porter opens. Now, there are two ways that people would keep sheep in the middle of the night back in Bible days. There was the way the townspeople did it, and then there was the way the country folks out in the country, out in the fields did it. So, you know, we had the city folks, and we had the, the way they did it, we had the rednecks and how the rednecks did it. But the people in the towns, how they would keep the sheep at night, is these shepherds had these different flocks outside the towns on the hillside beside the town, but the shepherds lived in town. At night, all these shepherds would bring their sheep into one corral in the middle, middle of town. And all of these different flocks would all be put in one big corral and all intermix and mingle together. And there was one man at the entrance, and he was the porter. Or porter is another word for doorkeeper. He was the doorkeeper. He was the porter. And he kept up with what shepherds brought which sheep into the, into the corral in the center of town. So then he says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I want you to see the shepherd calls each sheep by name that shows that this good shepherd that we're talking about, he has a personal connection with each and every sheep. There's a lot of people in the world. And that that, that number used to be 6 billion and now it's grown. I don't even know what it is now. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people for God to keep up with. But he does. And he can. And he knows each and every one of us individually. And then he said... The shepherd leads them. I want you to see that the shepherd isn't behind the sheep, driving the sheep, pushing the sheep. The shepherd is in front of the sheep, leading the sheep, coaxing the sheep along. The sheep will not go anywhere that the shepherd hasn't went first. Okay. The shepherd's not going to push his sheep into a situation that he's never been in before. If the shepherd's going to lead his sheep, the shepherd goes first. And the sheep don't go anywhere that the shepherd hasn't already been. Our shepherd, Jesus Christ, is just like that. He was tempted in all points, just like us. He was human, just like us. He got sick, just like us. He, He experienced loss, just like we experience loss. He went through everything we go through except without sin. He was tempted. Oh, Jesus was tempted to sin, but he never sinned. But he was tempted just like we are. He is the shepherd that has been where he wants us to go. And that's why he's a good shepherd. In the world, the world's composed of two types of people you either are his sheep, or you're not his sheep. That's the two classes of people. That's what it boils down to. You're either his or you're not his. He knows his sheep. He calls them by name. And then the Bible says, for they know his voice. So here's a question. If all of these sheep from all these different shepherds are kind of mingled into this big mass of sheep, the next morning... How do they separate the who sheep is who? That's not, they didn't have individual pens. How did they do that? But what would happen is the shepherd would come in front of the corral and he had a distinctive sound that he made. Maybe it was a yip-yip or it was a call or it was a whistle or, was a or something like that. And it was some kind of whistle or distinctive sound that only he made. And when that shepherd made that sound, only his sheep came out Every single one of his sheep and none of the other sheep and he would count each one And he knew exactly how many he was supposed to have and that would be how many would come out They didn't come to anybody else's call. They came to their shepherds call why because they knew his voice Sheep are experts at discerning the shepherd's voice World War I, there were some Turkish soldiers who were outside of Jerusalem. It was kind of early morning. The sun hadn't come out yet. And they came upon this flock of sheep. The shepherd was asleep. They needed food. So these Turkish soldiers, soldiers, they wrangled and corralled these sheep up and were taking these sheep back to their base camp. Well, right about this time, the shepherd woke up and saw these soldiers taking his sheep away. So what did he do? He called out to them. He did that, that call that only he can do. He did the sound that only he can make. What did the sheep do? They turned around, they left the soldiers, and they came back to him. That Early that morning, those soldiers, they tried everything to get the sheep away from that shepherd. But every time they would get the sheep away, He'd make that call, and those sheep would come back. Those shepherds, they had guns, they had ammunition, they had numbers. There was a lot of them. But up against the voice of the shepherd, they didn't have a chance. The sheep know his voice. Now, I know about y'all, but I can't tell sheep apart. A sheep is a sheep to me. You know, I mean, I can't, I don't know one sheep from another. I've seen flocks of sheep and they all look like clones to me. I i don't know. I can't tell one sheep from another. But if you were to go up to the shepherd of a certain flock of sheep and say, hey, you see that sheep over there? That sheep over there, he's uh, getting kind of far out there. You know what that shepherd would do? That shepherd would look out there at the sheep just to glasses. Oh, yeah, that's uh. That's Joe. Man, Joe is stubborn. Joe always goes over. He knows there's something over there. He always tried to go over there. And he would make that call and, Joe, come on back here, Joe. And Joe would come back. Why? Because that shepherd knows each and every individual sheep. They all have names. They all have attitudes and characteristics that are unique to them. And that shepherd knows each and every one. And the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And then he says he brings out his own sheep. Now, what that's talking about is Jesus is the good shepherd. and We have these sheep. And he is going to call out, Jesus is going to call out certain sheep from this flock and this sheep. This flock is, Jew, is Judaism, is the Jewish people. He's going to call out believers from these people. This, the Bible calls it a remnant. There's going to be a remnant of Israel that Jesus is going to call out from Israel that's going to believe in him. And that remnant is in Romans 11.5. It says, Even so, then at this present time there also is a remnant according to the election of grace. And that verse is saying that of Israel, Jesus is going to call a remnant out that's going to believe in him. So let's go on. Let's read verses 7 through 10. This is the true shepherd protects and promotes life. 7 through 10. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The Bible says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear him. What's Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about Moses and Elijah and the prophets and all those people in the Old Testament? Is he calling them thieves and robbers? No, let's not not, know who Jesus is talking about. What What he's talking about here is he's talking about the Jewish religion has been going downhill for a long time. Because one day the Jewish religion changed. One day the Jewish religion, instead of... Instead of trying to bring people to God directly, the Jewish religion the religion, tried to take people another way to God. And when the Jewish religion started doing this, it started degrading and going down. And the, these religious leaders are who Jesus is calling thieves, and they're calling him robbers, because the Jewish religion at the time of Jesus, they're trying to make another way to God. They're trying to bring people to God through works. They're trying to bring people to God through religion. And here's the big thing. They're trying to bring people to God through tradition. And that's why Jesus kept doing these things on the Sabbath. He kept making them mad. In the last couple chapters, he'd always do something on the Sabbath just to poke the the bear a little bit because he's trying to show these people it's not about tradition, it's about me. But these people, these Jewish people and this religion that had been downgraded so much it was because they were trying to make a new way to God and our traditions are what's going to make us to go to heaven. Uh, The fact that we were born Jewish, that's going to make us go to heaven. These feasts that we keep, that's going to make us go to heaven. And Jesus, they said, you're missing the point. It's not about the traditions and the feasts. It's about the Lamb. It's about the blood. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's not about tradition. Here he says, I am the door of the sheep. Okay, let's stop for a second. At the beginning of the chapter, verse 2, he said, I am the only one who can enter the door. Here he says, I am the door. So which one is it? Is he the one that can enter the door? Or is he the door? And the truth is, both things are true. Both things are true about Jesus. And when Jesus talks about the door in this in this passage, now he's talking about how the rednecks out in the country keep the sheep. We have not have talked about the city slickers, how they keep the sheep. Now let's talk about how the country folks keep the sheep. At night out in the field, away from town, when it was time to keep the sheep, what the shepherds would do is they would bring the sheep into this this enclosure. Now this enclosure, it only had one entrance, and it could have been anything. It could have been a cave, it could have been a structure made of rocks or mud bricks, sometimes they had roofs, sometimes they didn't. So it varied what these enclosures were. But they all had one thing in common. And that one thing was they only had one entrance. One entrance. That's it. That's all they had. That's what they had in common. And Jesus said, I am the door. So what these country shepherds would do is they would bring their sheep into these enclosures that only had one entrance. And it was time to sleep, the shepherd would literally lay... In front of the entrance. The shepherd literally became the door. He kept the sheep from going out. He kept the wolves from coming in. The shepherd literally became the door. And that's what Jesus meant when he says, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the door he came to give life to give it more abundantly three verses 11 through 15 this is the good shepherd will lay down his life for the flock i am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is not an hireling and careth not, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He says at the beginning, he says, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The bad shepherd sees the flock exist solely for his own benefit. A bad shepherd will see a flock and say, what can I get out of them? What can they do for me? Not a good shepherd. A good shepherd lives and a good shepherd dies for the good of the sheep. I'll tell you what the good shepherd would do. The good shepherd sacrifices for his sheep. Um, Shepherds back in the day that they would not eat and they would not rest until they knew that their sheep was taken care of. Time at home, time with the family had to be sacrificed because the sheep had to be tended to. The shepherds didn't take holidays. The sheep had to be tended every day. Could you skip a day milking a cow? I was just fixing to say, you're talking about being my cow. <laughs> hey, I've got you in my notes. I was headed your way. Can you skip a day milking a cow? You've got to milk that cow every day, twice a day. It's got to be done. You've got to milk the cow. You know what? Jesus, just he's the good shepherd. He doesn't take holidays. Okay, now I want you to tell you also the good shepherd knows his sheep. It didn't matter if he had 100 sheep, 200 sheep. It didn't matter how many sheep he had. He knew each and every one of them. And when Joe the sheep wandered off, he knows Joe well enough to know where Joe will go. So he goes where Joe will go. And he goes against gets Joe back. Because he knows his sheep. And next it says the good shepherd is known... By the sheep. The sheep recognize his voice. The sheep recognize his presence. My back where I live, where where I grew up, where my papa's house, there was a barn in the back. A horse barn and you had to cross the pasture to get to the horse barn. My uncles are plumbers and sometimes they keep pipes and supplies out there at the horse barn. So they would go through the pasture, and the cows wouldn't do anything. It was just a truck. It was just a noise. But when my papa's truck went in the pasture, those cows knew. They knew where the food was. They knew where it came from. They, couldn't, they didn't even have to see his truck. They could hear him crank up under the carport. And when he cranked up under the carport, here they come. They come into him. Because they know... They know where the master where the master is. They know who the shepherd is. Now I want, you to, I want you to see that a faithful pastor of a church is an under-shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the head of the church. But a faithful pastor is the under-shepherd. And as an under-shepherd, a pastor should display some of the same characteristics of the good shepherd. He sacrifices for his sheep. He knows his sheep. And he's known by them. And he will not be what is known as a hireling. Because a hireling does not care about issue. Now let me tell you what a hireling is. Have you ever, has somebody ever come to you and wanted to borrow something from you, of yours? And you think to yourself, man, I really don't want to let this person borrow this. Because I know they're not going to take as good a care of it is I would take care of it. And they're probably going to mess it up. They can't even take care of their own stuff. How are they going to take care of my stuff? You know, that is a hireling. That's what a hireling is. Um, there was a young preacher who was new in the ministry. Um, he had been an assistant pastor for just a few years. He was brand new in the ministry. And this church called him to come pastor church. So he went to the church, and he preached the message, and man, he had a good time, and the people had a good time listening to him, and they were just all smiles, and they said, man, why don't you come back and, and meet with the board, and we want you to consider a pastor. So the young pastor came back, and he sat with the board, and they talked, and they laid down what his salary would be, and they laid down what his duties would be, but then they gave him a list. Long list. It was a list of a whole bunch of things he could do, and it was a list of a whole bunch of things that he couldn't do. It was odd to him. So, after the meeting with the board, he went to his mentor, an older preacher that he looked up to, to get some advice. And he went to this preacher and said, You know, he told him about this, and uh, he likes the church, but they give me all these restrictions and tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And it was just a really long list. And the young preacher showed him all this stuff. And, and, the old, and he asked, you know, he didn't know if he should take the church or not. And the older preacher said, well, if you're asking my advice, I would encourage you not to take the church. And the young preacher said, why? He says, because it seems to me that they're not looking for a shepherd. They're looking for a hire. They they don't want to be led. They want somebody they can lead. They want somebody that's going to do what they say. They want somebody, they're going to hire somebody to say the things they want to hear and to do the things they want done. But they're not really looking for a shepherd. They're looking for hireling. He said, I wouldn't take it because um, I wouldn't be a hireling for anybody because my services are not for sale. So here's the thing about a hireling. The hireling really doesn't care about the sheep. The shepherd does. The shepherd, the shepherd knows his sheep, he loves the sheep, he would give his life for the sheep. If a hireling, when it gets dangerous, what's the hireling gonna do? He's gonna take off. He's gonna hit the road, Jack. And he ain't gonna come back. And, and of course, what else would you expect? What else would you expect him to do? He's a hireling, but a good shepherd. A shepherd will lay down his life. A shepherd will put himself in danger. He will hazard his own life uh, if that's necessary for him to do that for the flock that he loves. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. All these other religions, what they are is their hirelings. They'll run, they'll lead you to the wolves, And the wolves will rip and tear you apart. I will lay down my life for the flock. Here's another thing a hireling will do. A hireling will fleece the flock of God. Meaning a hireling will get all he can get. He will milk everything out of the flock that he can get his grubby hands on. And a hireling is all about take, take, take. But a shepherd's not like that. Shepherd is not a shepherd won't fleece the flock of God. A shepherd will feed the flock of God. He will bring them to a good pasture so they can eat food and so they can mature and they can grow. What did Jesus say to Pete, Peter? Feed my sheep. So what did what, what Peter say? Peter said, feed the flock of God which is among you. Shepherds are to feed the flock So they can grow strong and healthy It's not about what can you give me It's about what can I do for you Let's look at verse number 16 Jesus speaks of other sheep And the other sheep I have Which are not of this fold Them also I must bring And they shall hear my voice And there shall be one fold And one shepherd What's this other sheep? You might know what that is It's not the Jews, it's the, the Gentiles. This other sheep is the Gentiles. Jesus saying, I have these other sheep. And one day, I'm going to call them. And we're all going to be in the same fold. And that's where we're at today. And that one sheep fold, that all these, from the called out Jews and the Gentiles, all this came together in what is called today the church. And this one fold and this one flock is the church. That's what it is. The church is, is a body of saved believers together. That is the church. The church is going to be is what's going to be raptured out uh, when the rapture happens. Jesus comes back. Because that is the one flock that Jesus is talking about. Three verses 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. It says, therefore, my Father loves me. Anyone can lay down his life. Any can. I can lay down my life. You can lay down your life. Any one of us can lay down our life. But the thing is, only Jesus has the power take it up again. See, that's what makes the relationship between him and his father special. It's not only does he has the power to take up, to lay down his life, he has the power to take up his life again. The Bible says that I might take it again, I have power to take it again. In this sense, we can say that, that Jesus raised himself from the dead, okay? He had the power to lay down his life and he had the power to take it up again. It doesn't surprise us too much that Jehovah Witnesses teach that Jesus didn't have the power to raise himself from the dead. Jehovah Witnesses, they teach that. And that doesn't surprise us too much. But there's a lot of evangelical Christians out there is cut almost from the same cloth of us us, that, that they're kind of teaching that Jesus was this victimless person in hell And the only way he came back was because God intervened. That's not what this Bible says. This Bible says, I have the power to give my life, but I have the power to take it up again. I'm the one that's going to raise myself from the dead. I don't have to wait on God the Father to do it. I have the power to raise myself from the dead. Little side note I personally, and we might get into this later in a different time on a different Wednesday. I don't believe Jesus went to hell. I believe he went to paradise. I was very surprised when I went up north at the Bible college. A lot of people up there teach that. Jesus burned in hell for three days. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. But, uh, you know, I believe he went to paradise. But I digress. Back to, we'll talk about that another day. But it says, This command I have received from my Father. The death of Jesus was completely voluntary. But it wasn't an indirect suicide. That's not what it was. It was was part of a plan to submit to death and to emerge victorious on the other side. Alive, victoriously alive. Why? Because he received a command from God the Father. Three verses 19 through 21. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these saints. Many of them said, He hath the devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So what they're saying here is they're saying Jesus has a demon and he's mad. Jesus made some radical statements. Some out there, for a lot of the people of the day, some really out there radical statements. And, you know, he divided a lot of people. And either people believed that he was who he said he was, or people believed that he had a demon, or that he was mad. William Barclay he wrote this. He said, "Either Jesus was a megalomaniac madman, or he was the Son of God. He was one or the other." Did, did he tell the thief next to him on the cross this day, "You be in paradise for me"? Or- oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he said, uh, well, Robert since you brought it up. No, okay. yeah. he said, cool. no, 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 you're fine, you're fine, let's talk about it. That's yeah. what we're here for. Yeah. Um he's the sign of the prophet Jonah, three days and three nights at the the earth. We know from the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, that in you had hell, you had a great gulf, and you had paradise. Paradise was where Saint, old Testament saints went, but they couldn't go to heaven just at night yet. Yeah. We know that paradise and hell were side by side. We know from the Bible, hell's in the center of the earth. So we know where paradise is. And then he said to the thief on the cross, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, so, you know, that's where we get that when when Jesus did die, he went to paradise, and he spent those three days and three nights in paradise. And when he rose back, he brought a lot of the Old Testament saints, he brought the Old Testament saints out of paradise into heaven. See, later in Scripture, it says, hell hath enlarged itself. It's a very good possibility. Once everybody was out of paradise, hell grew and took over the whole, whole area there. But, um, and in fact, when Jesus, when Jesus rose back from the dead, there was a whole lot of other resurrections that day. Jesus wasn't the only one to resurrect a whole lot of other people got up out of the grave and walked around too. There's some people that believe that all the Old Testament saints resurrected that day. The Bible doesn't say that, it just says a few did. But there are other resurrections that day too. But Jesus did take those people out of paradise. And uh, you know, so that's what I was taught, and that's what I believe. But uh, yeah, there are people, people that say they burned in hell for three days. I don't I don't buy into that. I had one one teacher, he said, he said, an infinite, how do you word it? He said, uh, a finite man spent an infinite time in hell. But Jesus being an infinite man spent a finite period of time in hell. And while that sounds all theological, it's not. It goes against what the Bible says. So, yeah, I'm like you. He we went to paradise. He it, went to he conquered hell. Yep, like that. I mean, you know, he, he come out with the key. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, absolutely, I've never he wasn't he? Wasn't bound? How? How could he conquer hell if he was bound by hell? Right. <laughs> exactly. But Jesus. So William Barclay said that he's either a madman or he's the son of God. Well, let's let's examine that. The words of Jesus Christ. They were not the words of a madman. The words that Jesus said make more sense than anything anybody else ever says. Let's talk about the deeds of Jesus. The deeds of Jesus were, weren't the deeds of a megalomaniac. Because why? Because Jesus' deeds were utterly unselfish. Man, a, a megalomaniac, all he thinks about it is himself. Jesus' works were unselfish. And then the effect of Jesus isn't the effect of a madman. Jesus has has changed millions of lives for the better. Madman couldn't do that. So let's look at the feast of the of the dedication, verse number twenty two, and it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. This was Hanukkah, okay. So this this feast of the dedication, this is Hanukkah, okay. And what Hanukkah is is it, it celebrates the cleansing and. Rededication of the temple by Judas Maccabees after the temple had been desecrated for three years by Antiochus Epiphanes, who was the king of Syria. He desecrated the temple for three years, then enters Judas Maccabees. He cleansed the temple, rededicated the temple, and that's why the Jews celebrate Hanukkah. So that's what this is. This is Hanukkah here. And verse 3, verses 23 through 29. Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me and i give them eternal life and they and i give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand so let's talk about this little these for just a second They 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 come to Jesus and they say, Tell you keep talking in circles. You keep telling us parables. Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. And Jesus Jesus had already told them before Abraham was, I am. He'd already said that to them. So what Jesus said, Jesus said, "I've, I've already told you. And they said, No, we want you to tell us plainly. We want you to say the words. Jesus would not give them the satisfaction of hearing him say those words to them. Now, he didn't mind telling other people. I mean, the disciples, uh, he had already said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, uh, "Thou art, thou art the Messiah. Uh, who do you say that I am?" And Peter said, "Thou art the Messiah, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus said, "Blessed art thou, Simon, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven." So he acknowledged to the disciples that he was the Messiah. So he did that. Talk about the Samaritan woman. The woman at the well. She said, "I know all things. I, I know that when the Messiah comes, he's going to teach us all things." And he said, "Woman, I who am speaking to you am he." So to the Samaritan woman, he acknowledged that he was the Messiah, but not to these Pharisees, not to these Jews. He didn't give them the he wouldn't give them the satisfaction. He wouldn't do it. He he said to, he, they were saying, um, plainly declare to us, how long will you leave us in doubt? If you're the if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly." And Jesus said, I've told you. And you don't believe. I'm not going to tell you again. I've already told you. <clears throat> How many times we say that to our kids? <laughs> and he says, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And, of course, this carries the same spiritual parentage we talked about a couple weeks ago. Their lack of belief in him proves that they're not of the flock of God. Because if they were the flock of God, they would believe in Then I love this verse. I have quoted and read this verse so much. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That is Eternal Security 101. That verse right there shows us once saved, always saved. It's not the only verse in the Bible that says that, but it's the verse that I love. And, you know, when I read that, it makes me so thankful that I'm a child of God. It makes me so thankful that I'm a sheep. It makes me so thankful that he's my shepherd, that I heard his voice and I responded and I follow him. And I receive this eternal life and no one can take it away from me. No one can pluck me out of his hand. This verse sticks out to me because of a story that my preacher told me growing up. My preacher was out soul-winning one day and he was witnessing to this man and this man didn't believe in eternal security. He believed that you could lose your salvation. So he, my preacher took this man to this verse and read it to him. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> so the man, said to, the man said to my preacher, he said, well, no man can, no other person can take you out of God's hand, but you can take yourself out of God's hand. So then my preacher looked at him and said, are you a man? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I'm a man. Well, if you're a man, and the Bible says no man can pluck them out of my hand, not even you can take yourself out of God's hand. And he didn't say anything. He had nothing else to say. My preacher had backed him into a corner. Once we are saved, we are always saved. Because if not, it would be a work salvation. If I give you a gift, but I put a condition on it, it's not a gift. If I take $50 bill. This is a rare thing that I have 50 in my wallet.
1: Trust me, you don't always
0: have Dang it. Negative. It, Negative. If, if, if I gave this $50 bill to Brother Junior, yeah. hey, hey. Said, right here, no, right here. He no, no, no. Said, if I gave this $50 bill to Brother Junior, and I said, I'm going to give you this $50, but, but you got to hop on one leg the rest of your life. Everywhere you go, you, got, you can even use the good hip that was just replaced. <laughs> okay? You can, if you've got, you got to hop on one leg for the rest of your life. And I'll know, I'll know when you put your leg down. But as soon as your, your foot touches that floor, I'm going to come take this $50 back from you. Is that a gift? Is that a free gift? No, it's not. But that's what people think salvation is. Think it's a gift with conditions attached to it. If you have conditions that I didn't have to work to get my salvation, I don't have to work to keep it. It is a free gift. Let's read verses 30 through 33. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, My good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works did you stone me? And the in Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because thou, being a man, makest thyself God. He says, I am my Father and one. Now this is an important statement regarding the deity of Jesus and the Godhead. The first four words, I am my Father, it refutes the Jesus-only doctrine. There's this doctrine out there that there's, you know, there's one God, one Jesus, there's only one God. So when Jesus was on the earth, all of God was on the earth. There wasn't any God in heaven. And they say, well, what about when Jesus prayed to God the Father? Say, oh, well, he was praying to himself. They say there is only one God. This refutes that I am my Father. But then it says, are one. This refutes the teaching that Jesus isn't God plainly is God. Now, Jesus said, look, you want me to tell you plainly? You want me to tell you plainly? Okay, here we go. I and my father are one. Is that plain enough for you? What did they do? They took up stones to stone him. I guess it was plain enough. I guess he made his point. Jesus here is, is, is claiming what is rightfully His. He's claiming equality with the Father. Philippians 2, six says, Who being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God. I and my Father are one. They understood the claim. Now to them it was blasphemous. They were ready to stone Him according to their understanding of the law of blasphemy. There are some people that say, as they read through the Gospels, they say, oh, well, Jesus Jesus never claimed to be God. Read the Scriptures. Read the Scriptures. I mean, I and my Father are one. How plain can you get? You can't get any plainer than that. The Jews of Jesus' day, uh, they clearly, uh, they saw clearly What the Jehovah Witnesses and others don't see today. Jesus, you know, they don't, they see, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, the Jews of Jesus' time understood that that's what he was claiming. Or else why would they pick up stones to, to stone him to death? Because he said, because you, being a man, make yourself God. The Jews understood that Jesus was claiming he was deity. I don't see why the Jehovah Witnesses and other people like that don't don't understand that. And let's uh, read verses 34 through 39. This is interesting here. I thought this was an interesting study. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world thou blasphemest, Because I said, I am am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe me not, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. Now, this was interesting. Jesus quotes here Psalms, Psalms 82. And he says, he says, it is written in your law, I said you are God's. And in Psalms 82 and in the Old Testament, it refers to judges as gods, little g-gods. And it, and it was because their office was to determine the fate of men, just like God is a judge. In fact, if you look at Exodus 21, 6. And if you look at Exodus twenty-two eight and nine, the word judges—you'll see the word judges in those three verses. If you look at the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, those words—you know what those words judges are in the Hebrew? Elohim. What is Elohim? It's the name of God. Okay. And and what he's saying here is that. That God calls earthly judges gods with respect to passing judgment, not to be worshipped. This is a metaphor. Okay? He's not actually, uh, the, the Bible's not actually calling these people gods. He's saying, with respect to passing judgment, they pass judgment just like God the Father does. Okay? So, um, and then he says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came. Now I'm going to read this statement so you understand clearly what I'm trying to say here. Jesus is saying, If God gives these unjust judges the title guides because of their office, why do you consider it blasphemy that I call myself the Son of God in light of my testimony and the works that I've done? That's what he's saying. He said, look, God the Father will give these earthly judges the title of God because because of what they do, because of their office that they hold. But then I call myself the Son of God and you're calling me a blasphemer. I mean, look at all, look at my testimony. Look at the miracles that I've done. How am I a blasphemer? That's with the, and really, he, he's calling out the ignorance and inconsistency of his accusers. They think they know the word of God when they really don't. This is the point Jesus was trying to make. Let's read the last uh, two or three verses here, 40 through 42. And he went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first was baptized, and there he abode. Many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true. And many believed on him there. Now, people lived in the area where John conducted his ministry, by the river Jordan. And John said, there is one coming after me, mightier than I, the latch of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And when these people that heard John preach that, they saw Jesus was with them, and they said, you know what? Everything John said about this man was true. And there at the Jordan River, many people believed on him. Now, Jesus stayed there at the Jordan River for a little while, He actually stayed there from December, January, February, March. He stayed there from December until April. And April is when he he, he left the Jordan River to make his journey back to Jerusalem for the last time. And uh, the journey back to Jerusalem is where chapter 11 picks up. So right here, he spends about four and a half months at the Jordan River. And then it and then it jumps forward four and a half months to where he comes back to Jerusalem for the last time, and that's where we're getting to chapter eleven. Let's pray, and uh, we'll be done with uh, our chapter for tonight. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the Word of God has taught us. Thank you that you're the Good Shepherd. Lord, help us to emulate those things that you've shown us. Lord, help us not be a hireling. Lord, we're all leaders in some respect. And I know the shepherds and under-shepherds, that's you, and pastors. But I'm here to tell you, I know, Lord, that we're all, in some respect, we're all leaders. Leaders of our family, leaders of work. Lord, help us not to be a hireling. Help us not to get going when the going gets tough. Help us not to see what we can get out of a situation. Help us see what we can give we can emulate you, be like you. Thank you for what you've done for us. Be with us as we go home. Give us safety. Bring us back safe on Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray.